Miss Systemnomics. Miss Systemnomics is a weekly podcast that focuses on the three E's educating, encouraging, and empowering listeners on how to live their best authentic life. I'm your host, Ashley Natrice, and let's start the show. What's up, beautiful people? It's your girl, it's your host, Ashley Natrice. Hope you all have had an amazing week. I am super excited today because I have my first guest. Yes, Mrs. Sonomics has our first guest um, this week, and I'm super, super excited to introduce you guys to Sharday Holly Giddens. Um, Sharday and I actually used to work together, so I am really super stoked to have her on the podcast this week. She's a writer, blogger, and self-awareness influencer, and her blog, A Day in My Heels, provides readers with a transparent look into her season of disobedience. She weaves together her story of failure and loss while reminding readers grace and redemption are real. Her platform creates a space where readers can be both authentic and vulnerable in their life experiences. She is also the finder of CNG Consulting, a firm committed to helping small business owners expand their vision. Charday is devoted to using her own experiences to help others do the work to heal from the past and live their most authentic lives obedient and all. So I am so excited to bring Sharday's story to you all. It's a very powerful story, a very relatable story. Um, we have a transparent conversation with each other. And I think it's one of those things that we're talking about today that we don't talk about often. Um, a lot of times when we have conversations about being our best selves and living our authentic lives, we talk about things such as accountability and ownership, discipline. But when it comes to reaching our goals and living the lives that we want to, we often leave out a critical component and that's obedience. And so this conversation is about obedience, sacrifice, accountability, understanding the role that you played in your life and how to take all of those lessons and learn from them and move on to living a better life down the road. So I hope you all enjoy my conversation with Charday and stay tuned. Hey, Charday. Hello. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. Thank you for being on the Miss Sustanomics podcast. I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. It definitely feels like a full circle moment. I know. So just for the listeners out there, Charday and I know each other because we used to work together. 
And she was like a mentor for me. She helped bring me through the process and helped get me on my way in my career. So I do have to tell you, thank you. I appreciate all the guidance and direction that you gave me back in the day. So wanted to make sure I let you know that little piece of information (laughs) before we started. Well, so thank you very I, much. Um, wanted to talk because you have a blog and it's called A Day in My Heels. And I was thinking back when we were working together, I remember this progression of your relationship and how you guys were dating, got to know each other, and then you got engaged and married and all of that stuff. But I think from reading your blog that you are super transparent, um, very relatable. You talk about a lot of things that we might not always think about when it comes to marriage. So we think about the glitz, the glam, um, the career, the life, but you really break it down in a real life scenario to say, this is the good, the bad, and the ugly. So that's why I wanted to bring you on just to tell your story, because I think it is very um, transparent. And a lot of people aren't like that. They don't like to tell the backside of what's going on. They like to show us all the the great and wonderful things happening in their life. So I appreciate that from you. And I just thought my listeners would enjoy hearing a little bit about your story and how you're somewhat on the path of living your most authentic life. So tell me a little bit about the blog. How did it get started? Yes. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I wish that I could take credit. You know, I think that's been the most interesting part about this season in my life is it certainly was not a Chardé idea to um, share with the world all of some of my most vulnerable moments. Um, So the blog was something that was breathed out of me stepping back into obedience, me stepping back into my relationship with God. Um, Probably, it was just over a year ago, Um, I was not in a good place and I had made a lot of decisions um, that did not reflect my relationship with God. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, maybe you or some of your listeners can relate to maybe a time in your life where um, your intuition, God within you was leading you to do one thing, uh, but you chose Mm -hmm. to make different decisions based on any number uh, of reasons. And that's where I was. And, um, God, because he is faithful and is who he is. I I like to think of it as he snatched me up, right? Like yoked me up and, and set me on a different path. And at the beginning of me moving back into my relationship with God and, and choosing walking with him and choosing, restoring that relationship with him, he spoke into my life and and spoke to me that this would be used, right? My disobedience and those poor choices that I made and the way that I was living, he would use it for his good. And I'll be honest with you, you know, when I got that word in July of 2017, I never could have expected that in April of 2018, I'd be launching a blog where I tell the entire world about my biggest failures. So mm-hmm. that's where it started. It is absolutely a God thing. It is me being uh, obedient and, and wanting to um, honor this part of my life and this part of my story um, by giving people something that, you know, maybe they can relate to and hopefully they relate to. So walk us through, because I know right now you have three posts, right? So we have 
the fall, the encounter, and the awakening. So can you just give us an overview of your story so far? Yes. So, so far, um, the rise essentially talks about, you know, the time in my life really where you knew me and where you met me, it was mm-hmm. uh, me moving to Nashville and, and taking an opportunity at this firm and me meeting my future husband. And the rise really reflects me, um, prior to that time in my life, choosing God and choosing to, to walk with him. And it really was the harvest season for a lot of obedience that came before what I talk about in that first post. Um, and then the fall is the complete opposite. <laughs> it is uh, the part of the story where, you know, I really felt like, um, I had control of my life and, you know, I, I kind of think of it like at that time in my life, God was, um, I would read the word and I would pray, but it was kind of like, you know, you're here, but you're not really guiding me and directing me. And the fall was really a reflection of that. It's a reflection of losing that connectedness and, and really getting caught up in a space where I was very uh, self-serving. Um, and that was not fun. Um, and then the encounter is me, you know, coming face to face with God and face to face with the reality behind the decisions that I made. Um, and, yeah, that's also not been fun. So let me ask you before we get any further. So the rise is all about who you were when I knew you, when um, you were on your grind and you were um, getting promoted and you were making moves in your career. And so I guess for career-oriented women, and women who work in male-dominated industries like we do. I don't know if you agree with this or not, but sometimes I feel like uh, the assertiveness and sometimes borderline aggressiveness that I need to have to stand my ground in my job spills over into my personal life, spills over into how I interact with men because I talk to men all day. So, you know, I I know how to stand my ground in that way. And I don't always allow my femininity to show through when it comes to my personal life. Do you feel like that had any um, bearings on how you interacted in your relationship? You know, I don't. Um, So so this is kind of a twofold answer for me. Um, do I feel like me working in a male dominated industry has impacted my femininity? I would say no. Do I think that I've always been a very assertive woman in all areas of my life? Yes. (laughs) So uh, I think that, you know, as far as my career is concerned, um, I actually really think that it is the more feminine parts of who I am and the more feminine parts, or I should say the traits that are typically um, viewed as being more feminine are what allowed me to be so successful. Um, they're Mm -hmm. what allowed me to be set apart from my peers, right? I mean, you named it, we're in a male dominated industry and being able to come in as a woman and really own that womanness, that, that feminist part of who I am, um, I think is really what let me stand out in my career in my personal life, um, prior to my career, I've always been very assertive and, and absolutely that, that has impacted not just my relationship with my husband, but my relationship with all people. Right. I think that, 
while in many ways being assertive can be a good thing, you also with maturity and time have to learn how to temper it, right? Like there's a time when it's appropriate to be assertive and there's a time when it's appropriate to let your husband be your husband and lead the way that he needs to lead. So with the assertiveness in the, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, your desire for success and your drive for success, how do you feel like that ultimately played a role in your personal relationship? Because you were growing and striving and doing great things in one area. How do you feel like that balance or maybe the lack thereof, the balance affected your relationship? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It was the lack of balance, right? My entire focus um, became my career. And I have always been someone that wanted to achieve at a high level. There's really not anything that I can think of in, in all of my years that was placed in front of me. If I wanted it, right? If there's something that you placed mm-hmm. in front of me and I really wanted it, I would do whatever it took to get it. It's, it's the way that I was created. Um, and unfortunately when it comes to my career, I chose that and I didn't put my marriage at the forefront, right? My, my marriage was there and I loved my husband and it had, it had very little to do with my husband and much more to do with this great desire that I had to succeed and to prove not only to myself, but to the people around me that I could do it, right? Like I have this really, um, sincere need to prove that I can do something. And if you put something in front of me that you tell me is impossible, I'm going to find a way to do it. And in, when I look at that time in my life and I look at the success that I had in my career, it was a reflection of that attitude. The problem is, is that choosing that also made me lose my marriage in the end. Where do you think that drive to prove came from? Is that something that's always been in you or was that more so um, something that you developed over time? Yeah, I think it's twofold. Um, You know, I listen to your podcast and and you talk a lot about therapy and listen, I am an absolute proponent for therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a great therapist when I was still in D.C., And he really helped me to understand that, right? Because I also didn't really know where that came from. I, it's been a part of me for as long as I've been aware of who I am, right? For as long as I've tried to understand who I am, I've seen that part of me. Um, And he really helped me to connect the dots, right? I think part of it is birth order. I'm the eldest of six children. Um, And so naturally I, I feel like I always felt the need to lead and to be an example for them. Um, part of it was my life experience and the things that I went through in my childhood um, and feeling like that was the way. I think a lot of times when you have um, children that go through trauma or abandonment or any major issue when they're young, they, they usually go one of two ways. Either they become whatever it is that they experienced or they do mm-hmm. everything in their power to not be that. And I was that person. I was like, whatever I can do to not be the things that I experienced, I will do. And okay. then the last part of it is I, I think that there's certainly a part of my personality, like God-given traits that lend well to me being a very driven, um, hungry person. So it's a culmination of a couple of different things. 
So we've talked about the rise. Can you take us through the fall? Yes. So it's funny when people ask me about the blog, right? They're like, oh man, you know, it must have been so hard to write about the fall. And I'm like, no, it's not hard to write about the fall because the fall was the most recent part, right? It was hard to write about the rise because it required me reflecting on a time in my life that looks a lot different than what my life looks like right now. Um, The fall is really me opening up about ego, about pride, about choosing my career. Um, It's a time in my life where I was really lost and really confused. And instead of digging into this relationship with God that I'd built for many, many years, um, I dug into things that I think a lot of us can relate to, right? I would wake up in the morning and instead of uh, doing a devotional or journaling or reading my word, I'm like scrolling Instagram, right? And I'm completely comparing my life and where I am to some like Instagram model I don't know anything about. (laughs) The fall is me doing everything that I possibly could to avoid my reality to avoid myself. And it, it's really me depicting um, walking through that time in my life and, and walking through what it was like to go from this very beautiful, uh, like you kind of hit the nail on the head in the intro, right? I had this beautiful career, a beautiful husband, a beautiful life. I was killing it. And the fall is literally the complete opposite. It is me losing all of those things Um, And not really because of what anyone else did, but because of my own choices. So I was reading the fall and there was a a point in there that I wanted to ask you about. And you said um, you needed to learn how to use your voice. So you were going through the transition with your job, I'm assuming, and that it relocated you. And although you were enjoying what you were doing, to a certain extent, you realized that it wasn't a good fit for you. And a lot of times I think as women, our our intuition kicks in. It's that little voice that tries to tell us, no, this isn't, you know, the right thing. But for whatever reason, whether it's the prestige or um, the opinions of others or whatever we think we should be doing keeps us in a place that really doesn't serve us. So tell me a little bit more about the voice and what you realized the voice was telling you at that point in time. Yes, absolutely. So I had worked really hard, right, to get this promotion. And it was the thing that everyone at our firm wanted to do. It is the most competitive position. Um, And I got it, right? I achieved Mm -hmm. it. And so My expectation was that I would go to DC and I'd be living the life and it would be amazing and I'd be rich (laughs) and it'd be all of these things. And uh, I get there and I'm like, shoot, you know, I don't, I don't really like that I'm away from my family and I don't really like that I spend, you know, five hours a day in the car and that I'm alone and very quickly, my intuition, and I, I often re- refer to my intuition as God within me, was like, this is not it, right? This is, this is not what I need from you. This is not where I need you to be. And I didn't listen to that voice. And I didn't listen to it for a lot of different reasons. Um, 
primarily, I, for the first time in my life, had achieved a really high level of success. And I really liked the way that it felt. You know, I liked having this big title behind my name. I liked being the person that got to this coveted position that other people wanted. I liked making really good money and being able to do what I wanted when I wanted. Um, that played a big role in why I remained in a situation that I knew intuitively wasn't working for me and wasn't working for my family. Um, I also think another part of that was I had made all of these decisions. We had made all of these decisions to try and relocate our family there. And I didn't know how to come back and say, okay, just kidding. You know, I'm not happy. I don't, I don't want to do this job. Let's, you know, let's forget about all of this. We can just come back home. Um, and in addition to that, you know, I was supporting our family and, and it's not that my husband wasn't doing well. He was working hard and, and doing his thing with, with his business. Right. But I was the stability. I had the health insurance and I had the consistent income and I had the retirement plan and all of those things weighed on me and made me feel like I had to stay. So it was, a, it was a lot of different things, um, that, that played into me staying in the, in the position that I was in, but without question, very early on, I knew God within me was speaking and that it was not the right decision for me and my family. So outside of the money, the prestige and the name, do you think in society, uh, how they depict women, um, black women, the career oriented, uh, let me strive to be the best that I can be. Let me try to, you know, work 10 times harder so I can obtain this this status do you think that the society measures played into you wanting to have all of those things that you named or was it oh. more so Sade and what she really wanted for her life oh no without question right I, I I looked at my idea of what success looked like and I'm I'll be completely honest it wasn't you know, being a stay at home mom, that's mm -hmm. just not how I viewed success in my mind. And whether that was driven by the things that I've seen in society, or, I mean, I don't know where that came from, but certainly, absolutely. Right. I, I definitely felt like, um, success in my mind was a woman, doing, doing what a man does. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not that you can't, you know, I don't, I definitely don't want to make it seem like I was driven by being like being a woman that achieved at this level. I didn't, I didn't view it that way when I was um, going up through the, the ranks. And when I was working towards this career, I was working towards the career, not because I was a woman or not me compared to a man, but because I wanted to do what the hardest thing to do was. But absolutely, when I got there, the image that came with it is something that really resonated with me. And I liked being the person that had that image and it was hard to think about losing it. You know, that became, that became who I was. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who I was without all of the things that came with my career. Um, and I don't think that that's ever a healthy place to be in. So in the fall, you also discussed some of your childhood background and how that played a part in your decision-making. Can you go a little bit more into that? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, so my parents are divorced. They um, got married very young and it did not work out. And uh, my mom made some choices young in her life. You know, we have a lot of different factors that have played into our family generationally. And um, there was a part of my mom's life that reflected that. Um, and it created a space where I felt abandoned um, and where I didn't feel like there was a place for me. Um, you know, being a kid of divorced parents is hard no matter what, right? Like, I don't know that there's an ideal situation to be a kid of divorced parents. But when you add into that some of the factors that I had in my childhood, it really piled on. You know, I struggled growing up to feel like I had a place. My dad moved on and got remarried and had children with his new wife, and their life was very different from my life growing up. And while my father absolutely had an influence in my life, um, I always felt like I was different. And I was different because my mom was not the same mom. And on the reverse side, I have my mom who I love and I adore and our relationship is beautiful at this point. Um, but at that point we really struggled and it took her a little bit longer in life to um, become the woman that she's become and, and to really grasp onto God and to grow um, as, a, as a mother and as a person. And in that in-between time, um, it impacted me in a big way. And in the fall, what I talk about is when my husband didn't make the transition to DC right away, it triggered a lot of those emotions that I had as a kid. Um, it made me feel like I'm a person that people just don't want. And that's not true, right? And I know in a in a healthy, stable place in my life, in a stable place in my mind, I know that those things aren't true. Um, but at that time, it it um, reengaged those feelings for me. So the abandonment issue was that something that you noticed before you guys got married and. Did you think about having that conversation with your husband or was that something you just kind of decided you would deal with? You knew it was there, but you just kept pressing on, kept moving on. No. So my, my husband and I talked a lot about both of our childhoods and we were very transparent and honest with one another about the things that we carried with us. And, you know, that was part of what made me so mad, honestly, when I got to DC and, and we were living apart was, um, I had been really honest and I had been really transparent about the way that my childhood experience impacted me. And it was very difficult for me to know that he knew that and know that decisions were made to not be there with me permanently, um, right away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in retrospect, again, in a healthy place, having done the work, I can understand that in his mind, he didn't view it as abandoning me, just like my mother didn't view it as abandoning me. Because what people go through, they go through. And oftentimes, the decisions that someone makes aren't a reflection of you. Right. They're a reflection of the space that that person is in at that time. And 
And that is absolutely the case, right? I look back on my relationship with my mom and I can completely understand that the choices that she made were not about me, right? They were about her. They were about her own upbringing. They were about her own process and the work that she needed to do with herself. And the same goes for my husband. The choices that he was making weren't to hurt me or to abandon me or to um, encourage those, those insecurities within me. They were choices that he was making that he believed were allowing him to be the best provider and supporter and, and husband that he could be. Yeah, I, I talked about this a couple of episodes back um, on the podcast because a lot of times our perception of how things work, they come from our own individual experiences. So although someone may not have the intent of hurting us or intentionally do things that we don't agree with or even how they communicate with us, we receive it based on our own experiences. And if we don't recognize that, then that's when we get our feelings hurt, right? So we start to feel a certain type of way about something and not always realizing this person has had a completely different upbringing than I have. They've had experiences that I know about. They have experiences that I don't know about. All of this has shaped who they are. And so sometimes I have to take a step back and make sure that I'm paying attention to what they're saying based off of who they are and not how I receive it. And so- Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I gathered from the fall from you is that you were able to start doing some self-reflection to understand like maybe how I was thinking about things wasn't reality. Like facts aren't necessarily feelings. However, we think about something isn't necessarily exactly what it is. So that's yep, what I absolutely from the fall from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said, Charday's get yeah, my life together. <laughs> I'm reading this <laughs> and I can see myself in it because you know, you just get so wrapped up in what you have going on and how you would react to things. And although people may be saying, you know, no, that's not what I meant. I'm glad you brought up the um, love languages in there, because if you have total opposite love languages from the person that you're with, you have to actively work on loving them in the way that they receive love and vice versa. But if you're always showing them love in the way that you receive it, then that's when there's a disconnect that happens. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So I, to this day, you know, I, I feel like my husband loved me, you know, and I don't feel like it was a mistake. I don't feel like there, you know, people always ask you when you go through what I've been through, did you know, like going into it and Mm -hmm. no, you know, I didn't, there was not a single time that I prayed and I've been very prayerful in my life. Um, and, and like, let me be very clear. There were other men that I prayed about before and God made very clear, very quickly that that was not who he intended for me. And I never felt that I never received that, um, when it came to my husband, but man, once, (laughs) once you're in it, it's easy to, you have to be very aware of all the things that I learned later on in order to have an effective relationship and an effective marriage, right? Like my husband loved me, but my husband wasn't loving me the way that I needed to be loved. And that created a big problem in our marriage. And then that spiraled into me moving into this space of, of living in my feelings. And all that I looked at were my feelings. 
And feelings can be both really good and really bad, right? Feelings can allow you to experience some really, really beautiful things in your life. But feelings can also cause you to react in ways that aren't real. You know, you create whole stories in your head about what someone thinks of you or, or abuse you based on how you feel in the moment. And man, our feelings are ever changing. You know, some days I wake up and I feel great. And there are other days I wake up and I feel like the whole world is against me. And so I had to really learn how to manage that and how to recognize that feelings are important and feelings have their place. But there's also a lot that goes on outside of feelings that often tells a more clear story or a more true story. So how do you think we can get past that, like just solely relying upon our feelings um, and being more self-aware? What things moving forward whenever you do have another relationship or whatever is going to happen with this relationship? What things have you learned from this that you would do differently? Man, I think the first step is, is what you said, is being aware, right? Is making a choice. Um, when I wake up and I'm in a mood and I'm mad at the world and I'm feeling some type of way about everything, I force myself to sit with it for a minute, right? And to ask myself, is this kind? You know, does it serve me? And is it true? I think our negative ego does a really good job of honing in on the things within ourselves that we don't feel good about, right? Be that an insecurity or be that an opinion we think someone else has of us. And it becomes much easier to control that negative ego or to come or to control the um, story that we tell ourselves about ourselves when we're aware that that's going on, right? Like sometimes I honestly will tell my negative ego to take a seat and to like, let me keep moving forward. Um, I journal a lot. Uh, I journal probably five days a week. Um, For me, it's really therapeutic to be able to get my thoughts out on paper. And because I'm a very logical person when I write, it helps me to put reason to the things that I'm feeling. Sometimes when I'm in my head and my head is going crazy and my negative ego is going crazy, I I can create like a whole scenario that if I take that same thing that's going on in my head and I write it down on paper, the process of having to write it makes me become more logical. Does that make sense? It does. Okay, Sharday. So we've talked about the rise and the fall, and I believe next we have the encounter in the awakening. So the encounter is a culmination of a couple of different things. Um, I felt like in order to tell that part of the story, I really needed to give the readers an understanding about my relationship with God. You know, I think everyone has a different God story. um, But for me, I feel, I feel very confident that the encounter happened because I had spent so much time prior to my disobedience with God, right? I have had a relationship with God literally since elementary school. You know, I was the kid that was up, you know, singing Christian children songs in the choir uh, till I lost my voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just was <laughs> 
Jesus loves the little children. Me, oh my gosh, my parents did not play. We were at every church service, sing in every choir, every play, whatever it was. I was at church, yeah, eighty percent of the time. So I totally relate to what you're saying. Yeah. And you know, what was funny is it it wasn't my parents, right? Like my dad has a relationship with God, but he's never been someone who has been really a church guy, right? His relationship is very much so Mm -hmm. his own. Um, And my mom at that time hadn't really developed a relationship with God. And so I don't know where it came from, but at a very young age, I had a very deep desire to know God. And so I would go to church with my aunt and as the years went on, that relationship really, it really became the, the cornerstone of my life. You know, I write in the blog about, um, developing that over the years. And, you know, I even think back on, on high school, this didn't make it into the blog, but man, high school, I would literally get grounded, uh, from church because that was my entire life. And for me, when I think about the time that I spent in disobedience, I truly believe that I was yanked back, yoked up by God, because I had spent so much time in my years leading up to that in his word and, and developing that relationship. I had heard his voice clearly before in my life. And so when the encounter happened, I knew that it was his voice and and, uh, I had a choice to make. I could either continue living in my disobedience or I could choose to step back into my relationship with God. Um, so the encounter is, you know, me having this real moment of recognizing that I've really been avoiding that mm-hmm. voice. I've been avoiding that thing within me, the God within me that was telling me the choices that I was making weren't right. Um, the uh, encounter was me recognizing that I had filled my life. I mean, literally, Ashley, every moment of my day was filled with something. Every moment. I would wake up in the morning and I would instantly hop on social media. I would get ready and I would head to my first meeting and I would call any client that I possibly could, even ones I didn't want to talk to, if it meant that I didn't have to sit in silence with myself for a minute. And over time, that got exhausting. And over time, God's voice became louder and louder and louder. And in the encounter, I talk about finally coming face to face with that voice and and not being able to run from it anymore. I think the encounter um, is such a powerful piece because as someone who has spent all of their life in church and, you know, I've done the programs and I've sang in the choir and I've done all of these things and I know God, right? So it's not like I don't know him, but I have found that at certain points in time in my life that not necessarily I didn't want to have anything to do with him, but because I was so dead set on doing what I wanted to do and I knew it didn't quite line up with what he wanted me to do. I would stray away from him and I would try to go as far as I could away from him just so I felt like I can do this on my own. I can do my own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, he'll be here whenever I get ready to come back, but let me go live my life a little bit, you know? And so the encounter is one of those things that I think regardless of 
what your religion is. And I want to ask you about that too, because growing up in the church, there's rules and there's regulations when it comes to Christianity. And as you grow and you mature and you meet new people and you have new experiences, sometimes you try, you start to question those rules and regulations. You start to question, okay, how important is religion? Is it um, more that I'm more spiritual? So you hear people say that, like, I'm not religious, I'm just more spiritual. So growing up in the church and recognizing that maybe it's more important to have a relationship as opposed to religion. You talked about that in the counter. Can you um, expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, because I grew up in the church from a very young age, my relationship with God was based on the church. Um, It was, I felt like being a servant of God meant that I was in the church all the time and that I was on the praise and worship team and that I served in children's church and that I did youth and all of those things. And and in my mind at that time, that's what it looked like to be a Christian. And certainly that's a part of it, right? Certainly the, the church and the religion in and of itself is important. But what I had to learn and what I was forced to learn, and I think this is something so many people can relate to, when my church imploded, when the scandal that you hear about in churches all across the country happened at my home church, it forced me to have to think differently about what I believed in. At that time, my faith in God was not in a relationship that I developed with this being, right? With with Christ, with God, with this this spirit that lived within me. My relationship was built on people and a church Mm. and a place. And when that crumbled, I was placed at a crossroads where I felt like I had to choose, do I believe this or do I not believe it? And, you know, my family is from Anguilla in the British West Indies. And I feel very fortunate that at, at the time in my life where I came face to face with that, I got to go back to Anguilla. And for me, you know, we, we were out on the water and um, I'm like snorkeling in the middle of the ocean. I'm looking down at this world that is so different than the world that we experience right, right on the mainland. And I'm like, there's no way in my mind that I can reconcile this existing any other way than God. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I don't know what it's going to look like. And I don't know that I'll ever pick religion up, but I believe that God is real. And that moment changed my life because my relationship went from people and things in a church to this cre- this person, this being that created something that I get to live in. And it became much more about a spiritual relationship than a religious relationship. Um, for me, though, as I worked through that and worked on that and worked on that developing that relationship, I was still very tied to this idea of religion. And so I took religion classes and I studied different religions. And I do feel like, right, I I am a Christian. I am a believer in Christ. That is my faith. My faith lies that Christ exists and that God exists. And so because I believe those things, I also align myself with that religion. But that's a part of my belief system, it is not the totality of my I got you. belief. It does. Does that make sense? I feel the exact same way. So it makes total sense to me. 
And I think just with time, um, some of us get to that revelation that you can separate the two in a way, you know, because you, in my opinion, when you go to church, it's a a chance for you to be around like-minded individuals. It's a chance for you to share and to grow and, you know, have people to lean on, get poured into, pour into others. But at the end of the day, you know, whether that church is there, those people are there, you need to have your own individual relationship with God. And only you and God know what that relationship looks like. You know, no one can tell you what your relationship should look like because we all have different gifts and talents. And he speaks to us in different ways. And so I think having the balance of um, having somewhere to commune with like-minded individuals along with understanding that at the end of the day, it's important for me to have my own relationship with God is, is powerful and it takes some time to get there, but um, I appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, well, and beyond that, right. It, when I think about the church and this is what I didn't understand or have the maturity to understand then, right. The church is still filled with people, right? Like we can be as much like Christ as we want to be, but at the end of the day, we're not Christ. And so we are going to fail. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to fall short, whether you are a pastor, whether you're a deacon or whether you're a member of the, of the youth, you know, the youth group, right? Like we are still human. And so when you tie your faith to a religion, you are tying it to people who follow a religion who are going to fail. So for me, it was like, I can't like, yes, I, I am a Christian and I follow the, the um, Christian faith, but ultimately my relationship with God is a relationship between he and I, between this being and I, and everything else falls in place. Yeah. I think once I got to that point and I'm, I'm still working through it, I think, because I am a church girl (laughs) and I've had this idea of what a Christian woman should look like ingrained in me. And as I started to feel like that expectation was too high of a mark for me to hit. um, And so then I started to feel a little guilty about not being able to hit that mark, but working through it and understanding that it's about me having an individual relationship with God and not what other people think about me as a Christian or what other people uh, assume yeah. I should be doing or assume I should be uh, behaving in a certain manner because I'm a Christian. Uh, that does take maturity and it takes time. But I think as your relationship with God grows, um, the more secure you get in him, the less you worry about what other people have to say about who you are as a Christian. Um, Absolutely. So it was another thing that you said in the encounter that I thought was very pivotal to marriage. And you said that when you get married, it's no longer about your obedience alone. It's also about your spouse's obedience as well. Can you give me a little background on uh, what context that came from and um, how you got to that place of understanding that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I think about my marriage and I think about our first year of marriage, um, because I had spent so much time praying, you know, I mentioned that earlier in our talk, right? Like I absolutely 
believe that that is the person that I was supposed to marry. There was no sign that God gave me. There was no, right. I felt very confident and comfortable in moving forward in our marriage. I also prayed very diligently about the decision to go to DC. There was not a time when I was in DC while I was uncomfortable and I was happy in what I was doing. When I would pray about it, I didn't feel like God had released me from DC. And so the only conclusion that I could come to was that my husband was not being obedient and that God had in fact called him to, to come and that for whatever set of reasons, right? I think a lot of it had to do with some of the things that I was battling with, right? Pride, ego, provider, all of those things were, were going on within him. And I'm always very cautious not to speak for him because his experience is his, mm -hmm. his experience. Um, but based on the conversations that we've had, I feel as though God was pressing on him to come. And it didn't happen in the time frame that I wanted it to happen in, right? So the obedient thing would have been for me to let God get my husband there when he wanted him there on my end. And the obedient thing on my husband's end would have been to come when God had placed it in his heart to come. And we both didn't do that. So by the time my husband chose to come to DC, I was done. And I had let God know that I was not interested in his path for my life and that I was going to go ahead and figure it out myself. Like, kid you not, that's how the conversation went. I look back on it and I'm like, that was ridiculous, mm -hmm. but that's what happened. And so my husband stepped into obedience and I stepped out of obedience into disobedience. And the rest of our marriage was a chess match of one person being obedient and stepping into what God was speaking and the other person stepping into disobedience and choosing to live their life on their own. And so when I'm writing and when I'm thinking about that time in my life, well, what God really helped me to connect was in order for a marriage to be successful, you really have to be on the same page in your walk with God, right? Like how, how clear does the Bible make it when it comes to marriage? You right. should be equally yoked, right? You have to have a marriage that allows for God to be the head and then your significant other to come next. And when you don't have that, you have a union that is moving between obedience and disobedience versus two people choosing to function as one in covenant with God, walking in obedience. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't have an obedient experience in my marriage where both of us were on the same page in that. So that leads a little bit into the awakening because when I read that, I feel like I'm reading the consequences of you guys being disobedient. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The awakening is, um, it's tough. You know, that was the hardest, hardest it was hard for me right. to read it. I don't um, know if it's, if it was because <laughs> I know you, you know. So when I was reading it, I'm like, this is, yeah. is kind of hard for me to read because you never yeah. want someone that you know and that you respect and that you care about to go through something like that, you know. But it's real yeah. life. It, it lets you know that this is what can yeah. happen. And I feel like you really being open and telling that part of the story 
is just um, an eye opener that you got to put in some work when it comes to marriage. You know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. You know, there's actual work that has to be put in. So can you talk about the awakening a little bit? Yeah. So the best way in order for me to describe the awakening, I, I feel like I have to mention that um, part of what happened in the fall was living in this fog, right. I, and, and not facing my stuff, choosing to avoid it, choosing not to deal with it, choosing to put on bandage, choosing to distract myself. And the awakening was this really beautiful moment where God really grabbed me and and forced me to come back to him. And that part was beautiful. But the awakening was stepping out of that fog, stepping out of those choices that I made and realizing the consequences that came with choosing not to listen to God within me, choosing not to do the right thing, choosing to create my own path instead of continuing to follow God like I had for most of my life. Uh, you know, the awakening is tough and it's still tough. You know, there are days that I, that I wake up and I wake up to a reality that I still don't want to have to face. Um, and that post is very reflective of, you know, obedience is hard, um, but disobedience is harder. And in the moment it might feel good. And in the moment it might feel like it's cool, God, I got it. I'm out here living (laughs) my best life. (laughs) But at some point it will catch up with you. And whether you are someone that has a relationship with God or you don't have a relationship with God or you're somewhere in between, I feel very confident that most people have something within them, intuition within them, a voice within them. For me, it's God within me that is prompting them and leading them. And when you choose to ignore it and you choose to make choices that fall outside of what your inner self is telling you, there are consequences that at some point you're going to have to face. And for me, man, it has, it has been really, really hard. I've had to face a lot of things that I never envisioned for my life. Um, and that's, yeah, that, that's the awakening. So in the awakening, you give us a little detail. You don't go into a lot and I don't want to go too much into it, but you did say that you were in oblivion to your husband moving on. So talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me a little bit about how that betrayal affected you. And from that betrayal and that experience, what have you learned about when it comes to forgiveness? (laughs) Man. Yeah, I was, I, um, You know, when you are knee deep in your own sin and you are doing everything you can to avoid sitting with yourself, um, the world goes on, right? Like there's a whole world that goes on. And I just didn't even consider that. Um, I was so focused on trying to prove that the way that I wanted to live my life was the right way that I just was not tuned in to, to the things that were happening um, while I was making those decisions. And it was hard and it remains hard. It was the hardest thing that I've ever had to face realizing that my decisions, my husband, and let me be very clear, 
my husband did not want a divorce. This was not his choice. He did not choose to live um, the way that I was living. He chose to move on with his life as a result of the choices that I was making. And it was really painful. Um, it was really painful to realize that those months when I was living outside of myself led to me losing something that was, that was really important to me. The forgiveness piece of that has come because we were still married. And so while the things that I was doing was wrong and the way that I was living was wrong, it was also wrong for the decisions to be made that were made on his part. And um, it was hurtful and it, and it was hard for me to believe that um, the love that we shared was real. It was hard for me to believe um, that the things that he said about me and how he felt about me were true because I was moving from the space of like, if you love me, right. why would you do these things? Right. Um, but the reality is, is that I loved my husband very much and I love him to this day. And I made a lot of decisions that did not reflect that love. And I can't ask for anyone to understand where I was coming from or for him to understand where I was coming from or to understand that I did love him, even though I was making those decisions and not also do the same for him. Um, I believe to this day that he loves me and I believe that he loved me, but I believe that when things happen and we all have a choice and, and he made choices um, for his life and that's hard and it's been hard and it remains hard, but um, you know, that's a, a part of what happens when you choose not to live uh, your, your authentic life mm -hmm. and be true to your authentic self. So the obedience is next. I know it hasn't dropped yet, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to ask you to go into too much detail, but can you give us a hint of um, what you're going to be talking about when you drop the obedience on the 19th? I think. Yes. So, so the obedience is right. Like me choosing to follow God again. And I think the most important thing to understand about the obedience and, and maybe you can relate to this is while I've always had a relationship with God, it was kind of like, I love you, God, and I'm going to follow you, but I'm also going to do my own thing. And hopefully you'll bless me. Right. Me going through this experience in my life has led me to a place where I don't, God's not a part of my life. It's not like I don't just refer to him for counsel. My, I have died to myself and I live my life for Christ. My life today is me being obedient to the things that he's placed in my heart. It is me being obedient to his prompting and his calling. Um, and I get to talk about that in the obedience and talk about what that looks like. And I think I'm really excited about this post because I think that obedience looks nothing like what people think it looks like. I think that people have an idea of Christianity and Christians themselves have an idea of Christianity. That's like, if you are obedient and you trust God and you follow him, mm -hmm. like your life is going to be perfect and your life's going to be great and you're not going to go through anything. And like, that just absolutely is not true. It, my experience in obedience has been 
the complete opposite. I have had to trust God in moments where I, I didn't even know where to begin. Uh, my faith in this period of my life and choosing the obedience has gone from some days being huge to literally being as small as a mustard seed. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited for this post. Um, I think it is, I, I hope it is a more honest and true depiction of what it looks like to choose to live your life for Christ. Um, and I, and I hope that it resonates with my readers. I am excited about the obedience because I can agree with you. We sometimes think that because we are in God's favor, that our lives are going to be easier. But what I have found in my life is the closer that I've gotten to him and the more that I've followed his direction, the more um, issues and the more obstacles and the more things that I come up on, you know, the more attacks yep. that I encounter. And it sometimes I'm almost like, you know what, if I was just mining like my own business and doing what I wanted to do, <laughs> I wouldn't be dealing with all of this. But because <laughs> I'm trying to do this like God's way, every way I look, there's something coming at me. Yep. Every end, there's an attack. There's something that I'm not prepared for that I'm trying to deal with. And I have to remember to lean on him and to allow him to direct my path because he didn't say that the weapons um, would not form. He just said, you know, he was going to take care of them. So, um, yeah, yep, absolutely. I, I, I talk about that in one of my blog posts, right? It's so funny. It's like, like, oh yeah, Christianity is going to be like so easy and so beautiful and like you love God and then he does things for you. And it's like, where do you get that idea from? Right. I think we need to really challenge ourselves as Christians because it's like, why is that what we think? And why is that what we lead people to believe? Right. Because the word says something very different, yeah. right? The word is very clear that choosing Christianity is choosing a hard life, right? Like Christ himself didn't want to have to pick up that cross and go and die for us, but he did it because he wanted to be obedient right. and because he wanted to do the right thing and to honor God. And, and we have to do that in our walk as well, right? Like I pick up a cross every day. That's really hard for me to pick up, but I do it because I want to honor God and, and I want to live my life for him. Um, but girl, let me tell you, I can, I can relate to what you just said. Actually, I talked about this with a friend of mine today. I'm like, man, I wish I could have lived in my like, Hey, I love you, God, but I'm just going to do my thing face <laughs> of my life for a little longer because, you know, once you choose him and once you really choose to live for him, it's very hard to step outside of that. And so, um, it is, you know, yes, that's, that's the obedience and, and hopefully, hopefully you can resonate with that one. Too. Oh, I know I am because this week I would tell you, <laughs> so I have my event Saturday and I feel like this has been the longest, the hardest, the worst week ever. I'm like, if I would have never had that brunch, <laughs> I would have a good week this week. but this week, everything is just coming at me from all ends. And when I was at the brunch, the lady who was the keynote, she told me, she said, you got to be prepared because you did something um, that was in God's will and you, you followed what he told you to do. So you got to know that now the devil is going to do whatever he can to attack you and to tear down what you've tried to do. 
And so um, I think the obedience blog coming up is going to be very timely because when we do step out on faith, because that's what you're doing in your blog, you're being obedient to him. Um, things are going to come against us and we've got to know how to uh, accept that and understand that and be prepared to fight against it. So I'm looking forward to the obedience. Um, well, thank you. Okay. So we're going to wrap it up. I just got a couple more questions for you. So what's next for Charday? What's going to come next? Um, where do you think God is leading you now after you've gone through this experience? I wish that I could tell you, you know, I, I cannot say uh, what comes next for me. What I know is that I have learned to live moment by moment. Mm -hmm. And when you choose to give, truly give your life to Christ, I think part of making that choice is understanding that you don't have control, right? Yes. Like if you had asked me, a year ago, if I would be living back in Nashville and would have left my company just to have my company bring me back and be, I mean, I like, there's just no way. That's not what I would have chosen. I'd be living in Miami, you know, on somebody's yacht right now. <laughs> like, this is not what I, this is not Charday's plan. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Right. But what I do know is that, um, I'm very intentional about my space now. I'm very intentional about my thoughts. Um, I spend a lot of time with God. I spend hours a day in relationship with God. And I'm not sure where that leads me, uh, but I do feel really hopeful that it leads me to a life that is more fruitful and is more useful and um, that in due time, there'll be a harvest for my obedience. And I'm not sure what that looks like, and I'm okay. I'm okay with that um, because I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know where to begin trying to put the pieces together. And it's not a very good exercise because I never get it right when I try to figure it out. Wow, that was good, Charday. Like I was over here writing notes. Oh, thanks, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're gonna wrap it up. I just want to know um, three keys from Charday to live your best authentic life? Um, one is you have to be still, you know, you have to, you can't live an authentic life if you don't take the time to be still enough to listen to who you are. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you can figure out who you are um, by being busy all the time or even reading or you have to be willing to sit with yourself. So I would say that, that that's the number one. The two is that as you develop who you are and you learn who you are, you have to be willing to voice it, right? If you spend time with yourself, but then you're not willing to tell the people in your life who you are and be true to who you are, or you keep unhealthy, toxic relationships because you're too scared to be true to who you are authentically, you're not going to get very far. It's kind of a, a moot point. Um, and then thirdly, I would say to understand that you are ever changing, right? We are never going to be the same as we were, or we shouldn't be the same as we were 10 years ago. And you talked about this in your last podcast and I, and it really resonated with me. 
it is really hard to maintain relationships for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. And we view that as a bad thing, I think, right? It's like, oh, well, that girl was my friend and now she's not my friend. And it's like, it's okay. Like, it's okay that in a 10 year friendship, someone grows and develops and changes in a way that maybe no longer resonates with you. Like that's okay. And it doesn't mean that because you grew apart in a, in a particular season that you won't come back again in a different Mm -hmm. season. So I think the third thing would be to be open and, and to be open to the idea that you are ever evolving and you're ever changing. And as you grow and as you develop and as you experience more life, who you are is also going to reflect that. And that's okay. I am not the Chardet that I was seven years ago. And I'm okay with that. And I anticipate that three years from now, I'll look back and and I will have become a different, more refined, better version of who I am. And my hope is that I'm okay with that too. And that I can live authentically in the woman that I continue growing into. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, being my first guest. Um, You're welcome. I can't, I would have never thought, you know, we would have a blog or a podcast when I met you five, six years ago. So it's amazing to see where God brings you and who he brings you along your journey with. So I do appreciate you being on the podcast. Can you let everyone know where they can find you, your social media handles in your website? Yes, absolutely. So my blog posts are on a day in my heels and it's a D-A-E in my heels. I post on the 19th of every month and I'll be posting this part of my story up until April 19th of 2019. Um, on social media, you can find me at Charday underscore Nicole, N-I-C-H-O-L-E, and that is on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you, Charday. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me on. Also, I have to plug in. I'm so proud of you. You are doing amazing work. It is not easy to be authentic. It's not easy to be transparent, but you're doing it and know that you are absolutely impacting other humans, which I think is some of the best work that you can do. Thank you. You are very welcome. Thanks for having me on. Y'all didn't Charday drop so many gems in our conversation. It was so good. I enjoyed talking with her. There's a few things that I took away from the conversation that I just want you guys to keep in mind, even if you have to re-listen to this again, because this was one of those episodes that I had to go back and replay for myself. So she said that it is important for you to be intentional about the space and the thoughts that you have. I thought that was a major key. Her three keys to living your best authentic life were amazing. I wrote those down for myself as well. But I think the underlying theme of this entire conversation and what I took away from it is her quote when she said, obedience is hard, 
but disobedience is harder. She got my life with that. I said, man, she is right on point because being obedient is difficult. But the price that you pay for being disobedient is even worse. So I think that was amazing. I'm so glad she shared those gems with us. And there's a ton more in the episode. So I hope you guys got a lot from our conversation. I'm going to link all of Sade's social handles as well as her website in the show notes so you can go there. Check her out. Go follow her on Instagram. Go read the blogs share the blogs with someone. I'm telling you, she has a powerful story. We didn't go into detail about every single thing that she has in her blogs because I wanted you guys to be able to go and read those for yourselves. Remember, she's going to be dropping her new blog post on the 19th of this month. So by the time you guys hear this, it's going to be a couple of days out from when she's going to drop her new blog post. So make sure you subscribe to her blog so you can stay up to date on every time she's going to drop those. And she also left us with some information, some books and some podcasts that she listens to that helps her um, with her own mindset and that she felt would be beneficial for you all. So I am going to list those books as well as links to the podcast that she recommends in the show notes. So guys, please just make sure that you take a look at the show notes this week because there's going to be a ton of information, but I want you all to be able to keep up with Sade. I want you all to be able to read her blogs and get some of the resources that she's left us with because I know they'll be beneficial to you all. And As always, I appreciate you all tuning in. Please take some time to go on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're on all four now. Make sure you rate, you comment, you subscribe, you download the podcast, share the podcast with someone. Anyone can benefit from this podcast, I hope. So I hope you've heard some episodes that you feel like you can share with your girlfriends, with your mom, your sister, whoever it is. It just takes a couple of us sharing it to get the word out to grow the Miss Systemomics podcast tribe. Do not forget about the Facebook group. Join the Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes as well. I would love for you guys to come over so we can continue the conversation. I appreciate each and every one of you all listening. And until the next episode. Thanks for checking out this week's show. To keep up with me, check me out on Facebook at Miss Systemomics, on Instagram at Miss.Systemomics, and on the website where you can ask questions, MissSystemomics.com. Until next time.